Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Cow Corner. We're here today for a mid-season review of the Big Bash League. Um, it officially was the half-season this morning, uh, Adelaide against Melbourne, so that was very exciting. And I am joined uh, by Zach to review this. How are you, Zach? Yeah, I'm good. I'm very excited. I've enjoyed watching the Big Bash and I'm excited to chat uh, about it with you. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Um, lockdown in the UK... So loads of cricket to watch now, which is fine. And loads of cricket to talk about, as there always has been for the, for the past few weeks anyway. Um, and I'll come on to that now, actually, in the, in the news before we get into the BBL. Um, two test matches going on at the minute. Um, let's start with South Africa-Sri Lanka, which is done. It's over. Thank goodness. I think we were all in agreement that was the most boring one uh, out of all of them so far. Um, Sri Lanka, uh, sorry, South Africa won by 10 wickets and they won the series 2-0. Um Sri Lanka started uh, their second innings on 150 for four with a little lead. Um, they lost six wickets in 95 minutes and, and were bowled out for just over 200. Um, Captain Karuna Ratney made a ton. Uh, his 10th test century, he's looking good at the top of the order. Uh, but it really was a depleted Sri Lanka side. Um, no De Silva, no Chandamal, no Kumara, no Rajitha, no Saranga Lakmal either. And um, South Africa rolled them pretty easily. Uh, Elgar and Markram seeing them over the line. Interestingly, that was South Africa's first test series win since January 2019. So that's now two years ago, which is pretty crazy to think. And um, a good start for Quinton de Kock, though, uh, as captain and Mark Boucher as coach. So good for them. Um, I think they're playing India pretty soon, if I'm, if I'm correct, uh, which will be an exciting series, although I think India might, might roll them. Uh, over in New Zealand, this has been fun to watch. Um, 10 o'clock start in the UK. It's lovely. I've spoken quite a lot about how nice it is to watch... Uh, cricket in New Zealand uh, but New Zealand are playing Pakistan at the minute Kane Williamson uh, last night uh, 200 his fourth double hundred uh, outrageous batsman um, Zach have you watched much of this I mean how good is he to watch he's averaging 160 this summer 160 and for a moment for a hot second during that while he was still not out his career average went above Tendulkar and Kohli just to, just above 53 I think it came down because he got out but what a man and what a batsman. Yeah, I mean, he's he's amazing, isn't he? Especially in those those home conditions that we do often talk about as being a, a difficult place to bat, but New Zealanders don't seem to find it difficult. Just seems every touring side finds it difficult. But yeah, I've, I've been watching a bit of it. It's nice to watch in bed. It's a good bit of calming, you know, just before bed watching. You see the nice, the fans sat on the grass. They seem to be having a really great time and I wish I would was sat on a grass bank watching Kane Williamson bat, but here I am talking to you about Kane Williamson batting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a kind of utopia over there in New Zealand at the minute. It's hard to believe it's on the same planet that we're on at the minute, but um, good for them. Uh, Pakistan, after day three, closed eight for one, uh, trailing by a, a big chunk, 350 plus. 
Shah Massoud with a, a a duck off 25 balls and his fourth duck in six innings. I think um, the Pakistani or Pakistani Twitter that I see on the Cal Corner Twitter page um, at Cal Corner Eight, by the way, um, seems to be pretty up in arms about about Massoud. I think his time might be up and. Um, that stand today won't have helped him. So a long way to come back uh, for Pakistan there uh, to avoid going 2-0 down in that series. Um, let's come on to a bit of English cricket. Um, we just mentioned Sri Lanka, who are kind of plagued with injuries at the minute. Uh, England will be touring there starting the 14th of January. Well, they're over there now. Did you see the, the airport pictures, Zach? The, the sort of video, and they were just getting fully sprayed down. A little bit weird. But unfortunately, out of that, there's been a positive test for none other than Moeen Ali. And you said to me, that's very on-brand for Moeen Ali to be the first positive test. Not because he's, like, you know, susceptible to getting ill or anything. It just seems to be his bad luck, doesn't it? Yeah, he, he's so unlucky. But if you'd have told me there was going to be one player who was going to be the unlucky, asymptomatic positive test, poor Moeen Ali. He's not had a good couple of years, has he? And all he needed was... And I, I think it's interesting. He needed this test series. He needed to be important in this lineup, which I think he could have been because... A spinning all-rounder, we've spoken at length about how important spinning all-rounders are in all formats, and especially in Sri Lanka, where Sri Lanka are going to test us with spin. Moen Ali is a good player of spin, and obviously bowls very handy off-spin and was very good the last time England toured there. And with that tour of India coming up after the Sri Lanka one, it'd be nice to have an in-form Moen Ali or with a bit of confidence. So his isolation... Um, in Sri Lanka will have to end later than the rest of the players who automatically have to, have to do one, um, which will be the 13th of January. So it, highly unlikely he'll be able to play that first test. Um, he won't be able to train or take part in the intra-squad match, which starts, in I think, on Friday. Um, and the same could be said for Chris Wokes, who travelled from the Midlands down to London with him to catch the, the chartered flight out of Heathrow. Um, so the flight itself was socially distanced, uh, the ECB have said. So no other players are in that close contact um, section so that they're fine so it's probably likely the Wokes and Moen will miss that first test match and let's just hope for no more positive tests coming out of that because the squad were together at Loughborough for, for a week um, and you know a plane not a great place to not catch something I think so let's hope for no more positives um, from the England camp test wise obviously and uh, we can get that series underway uh, moving on, the Ultimate Cricket Challenge is airing on British television tonight. By the time this is out, it will have aired. Uh, Zach just ruined it for me. I was like, oh my God, it's live. It's happening tonight. I didn't know. It's pre-recorded. That's fine. It happened months ago, probably. Um, exciting though, Zach? Are you excited to... I don't, I don't really know what it is. All I know is like Owen Morgan, Kevin Peterson, Rashid Khan, uh, uh, Andre Russell, I think is there as well. Are just playing some kind of indoor tournament with each other. Uh, everyone bowls and over, everyone bats and over. It's already happened, though, which has kind of killed the surprise for me. But have you seen any of it yet, or are you going to watch it tonight? I haven't seen any of it yet, because I knew it started on Christmas Eve in India. It was being shown uh, about 4pm our time on Christmas Eve in India. So I was looking out for it on English TV then, but it wasn't on then. It's on now. But even when it was on that time in India, that wasn't it live. It had been recorded before then. So I don't know when it actually happened. It was in Dubai at some point in the past. And I'm very, I, but I am excited because I have, like you said, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's going to be really funny seeing Kevin Peterson and Yuvraj Singh is the other retired player who's playing against people who are, you know, very good. But also a lot of them are all-rounders. Kevin Peterson, oh, I, I used the term loosely there, but <laughs> Owen Morgan is, is definitely not an all-rounder. Even less so than Kevin Peterson. So watching him bowl is going to be interesting, but surely his batting will be, I mean, better than everyone else there. Who knows? But better than Kevin Peterson, who's not played cricket in five years. Yeah. And this was the thing that Kevin Peterson teased on his Instagram or Twitter like a month ago. And everyone's like, oh, could he be coming back for the BBL or something a bit more significant? No, it's some indoor tournament in the UAE. But I'm, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see. And Morgan bowling, it, it just screams like a cricket game, like Cricket 19 and Ashes Cricket, and you just bring Morgan on to bowl, and he'll bowl some medium. And I'm guessing that's why he'll bowl, unless he's just a ridiculously good wrist spinner. I think I think it's leg spin. Oh. I've, only, I've only seen a little bit of highlights <laughs> on the Ultimate Cricket Challenge's Twitter page that it was leg spin. And again, I don't know how good it was, but... 
it looked it looked all right. Like it looked like you know he wasn't throwing up pies. He hit a length, and it was it was okay. And who knows? Maybe he'll maybe it'll be a new thing, and England won't need a second spinner <laughs> coming to the World Cup next year because, or not next year anymore, this year because Owen Morgan will have proved himself. If 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 ultimate cricket challenge is the beginning of Owen Morgan's leg spinner, it's not the craziest thing to happen this year. Probably that sounds fantastic. So. If you're in the UK, well, by the time this goes out, it would have been on BT Sport, but I'm sure we can catch the highlights on on their uh, channels. Um, can't wait for that. All right, finally, we'll have a little look at um, Indian Australia. We're currently in between test matches, but it's been announced that the crowd capacity for the SCG test, the third test, will be reduced to 25% because of the ongoing uh, outbreak over in Sydney. Brisbane, there's been a bit of questioning about whether Brisbane will host the fourth test or whether they'll stay at the SCG. Uh, the state that Brisbane's in um, requires internal travellers to still uh, quarantine for 14 days, and that will re- require the Indian team to be to stay at the hotel or the ground. And they're not too keen on doing that because they've already done their 14-day isolation when they first flew over. So I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I, I doubt there'll be too much change. The, the BCCI haven't approached Cricket Australia yet about anything like that. It's just sort of hearsay. Uh, let's move on to the Big Bash then. We are halfway through the season as of today, a little over halfway now. And it's been a lot of fun. Again, UK viewers, decent viewing time if you're up early enough. I'm not most of the time, uh, so I have missed most of it. That's why Zach is here today as the beacon of knowledge um, for the BBL. But let's firstly look at the new rules they brought in. And we spoke about this in the preview pods, and we were anticipating these. They've not been used in, in cricket like this before. And, you know, halfway through the season, what do we think, Zach? Let's start with the the power surge, which is two overs of power play that can be used by the batting side at any point they want across the innings. Mostly they've been used sort of, what, 13, well, 14th over onwards to 14 to 16 seems to have been most popular. And interestingly, whereas we thought, you know, run rate would go up, more runs scored, there's actually been more wickets taken. And it's kind of helped the bowling sides more, despite having no control over it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because we're seeing players who aren't used to batting with the field up having to bat with the field up. And that's kind of causing more wickets because players are there, they're going for the power surge and they are deciding, right, I better go really, really hard at this. And then they're, they're getting out. Whereas what, what you, you, well, I mean, most of the time, if you're in the power play, you can play proper cricket shots, break the fielders and you get boundaries. But because these players aren't used to it, they're used to having the field back it means that they're, they're losing their wickets. And also a new batsman with the field up, a new middle order batsman struggles. And it, I think it's meant that spinners have actually been really important. Majib and Majib and Rashid Khan have obviously both been brilliant and we'll come on to that. But and then bowling in the power surge has been especially interesting because you wouldn't necessarily think of them bowling in the power play as much. Maybe they'd get one over, but it's often kind of the case that you'd say, oh, don't bowl spinners in the power play because the field's up. Actually, in the middle overs, when and then they'll take a wicket and then a new batsman really struggles. It's actually been really interesting that they they seem to have taken loads of wickets during it. And it's kind of juggled up where the bowlers come in and out as well. You're not getting you're getting the good bowlers now bowling some middle overs, not just the start and the death, which is interesting. And again, I think part of why the middle order batsmen that do eventually come in, kind of fresh as well, if that wicket's been taken early, uh, are struggling slightly. And the bowlers are are benefiting from it, but. We like this one. I do. I think it's added a little bit of a different dynamic. Do you like it overall, Zach? Yeah, I like it. I think it's when a team's chasing, when a team's chasing, I think it's when it's most So in the second innings is when it's most interesting because I think they can only take it after the 10th over. But I think that, again, that wasn't, wasn't clear at first. But yeah, so I think it's interesting when a team's chasing because sometimes they leave it late and they don't take it till the 16th over. But by that point, they need... 11 and over so they so it has they have to do well from it and that bit adds pressure but then other teams are taking it in the 10th 11th over and i feel like that seems to be working better because they're taking it then when they need eight and over and then they do well out of it and then they only need seven and over and the chase is, they when they, when they, when it's kind of balanced they take the chase by the scruff of the neck and then mm-hmm. they dominate and i think they're just starting they're getting used to that now and they're halfway through the season i think captains are just working out what's the best for it it's obviously very situational as well as as are most of these actually so let's look at well, let's look at the x factor sub the the second rule change which i think is not working as well i think we're in agreement on that zach and i think a lot of players are I read an interview with cam green uh, who plays for the thunder who 
just doesn't think it, it's it's good for the team or good for individual players who do get that who are subbed out. Uh, poor old Danny Briggs was the, was the first ever to be used, but according to Alex Carey, his captain, he he took it like a champ and just said, "Yep, that's fine, good for the team, etc." Um, so it took eight games for the first X Factor sub to be used. It was in the Strikers Hurricanes game, and what was happening was that the ball was seeming around a lot, and I think. Uh, and then Danny Briggs went for a lot off his first over, and they went right. We don't we don't need the spinner. It's not going to be useful on this pitch. Um, let's strengthen our batting lineup. So both teams at the tenth over took out a spinner and brought in a batsman. Uh, one was an all rounder, um, but interesting they didn't bring a seamer in. Um, and then uh, the Hurricanes brought in Short, who got out for a golden duck and then got none for eight off his over. So it wasn't that effective, but it was the first time in the tournament so far that it needed to be used. Um, Poor Danny Briggs, he's been he's been sub twice, hasn't he, Zach? As well, um, you know, our Sussex lad. Oh, well, he's not anymore. Actually, he's Morrisshire. R.I.P. Um, it's I, I just don't get it. I just don't see it benefiting the game. It's not that interesting. It's not that fun. I just don't get it. It's simply, I don't think we did it at the start either, and it's just proved that in, in practice. Yeah, I think everyone's doubts about it before. I can't remember who said it that. If that player's not in your starting eleven, how much of an X factor actually are they? Mm-hmm. I think that's been the case throughout. It's been kind of, oh, they've subbed out that guy that I didn't really know much about for another guy who I didn't know much about, so, and they're not, they've not actually done much. So it, it's not really had. I don't think it's had the impact it was meant to have. The only time I actually saw it properly, well, I, it's probably it probably has had more effects than we're giving it credit for, but it kind of, it's been going under the radar compared to the other rules. But the only time it, it really seemed to not change a game, but really influence a game was yesterday when the Heat brought in Chris Lynn as their X-Factor, which obviously is a fantastic player to bring as an X-Factor, and is their captain, but wasn't starting and ha- hadn't played a few games because of injury. And then they kind of weren't sure how fit he was. So they brought him in at the 10th over because they could see that the Thunder were going to get a big score. And then he hit 30 for 30 off of 16 in the second innings. And did that win them the game? Well, maybe. Maybe it won them the game. So, you know, it, they did win the game. So maybe it worked in that sense. It's useful enough. I just think the reason they brought this, these things in is because of diminishing viewing figures over in Australia. And that hasn't helped because they've moved it off um, state TV. I think it's now on commercial TV. And I just don't see how the fact there's an X Factor sub is going to encourage people to watch. Whereas um, the Bash Boost, which we'll come on to, and the Power Surge are parts of the game that are easier to to grasp and see happening and just keep you a bit more interested in parts of the game that might be a bit dull. Um, Callum Ferguson, interestingly, said as well that um, it's not, we don't need these gimmicks in there. The pitches maybe aren't as good. And there's other things that are affecting the game that we can help other than this, this X Factor sub situation. Um, so the bash boost, the final one, um, is an extra point on offer for either team, uh, depending on which team was ahead in the second innings at the 10th over. I can't find a way to nicely say that, but that's the best I can do. Whoever's ahead at the 10th in the chase. Um, so this means that there's four points on offer for a win, effectively. If you win the game for three and you're ahead at the 10th over, there's another point for you, which is why we're seeing a lot more points at the minute than we do um, in the IPL, for example, where only two points available for a win. So what do we think of this, Zach? I quite like it. Um, interestingly, the Sixers lost the first game of the, of the tournament, uh, but won the bash boost because they were going so well at the start. Um, so they got themselves a point despite losing. Um, and there's been a few nice incidents, well, not nice, but interesting in- incidences where teams are obviously not going to get to the 20 overs. They're chasing 200 and they've lost four early wickets. So just go for that turnovers, hell for leather. And that's quite that's been quite interesting, I think. Yeah, I, I really like it, actually. I think, like you said, it's 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 adding an extra dimension into those middle overs. Like we've said about the about the power surge as well. It's often like the middle overs. I mean, it's definitely more of a case in 50 over cricket. There's quite a lot of time in the middle of the game where the game kind of just, you know, it, it goes along and it seems like not much is happening. In 2020 cricket, there isn't much time when nothing's happening. That's kind of the beauty of it and why people love it so much. But I think if there was a time, it would be around the time of the bash boost, around the time when teams have taken the power surge. So I think the idea of getting more people interested in the sport and keeping people interested in the sport, in that sense, both these rules are working. And this this one, like, yeah, this one especially because teams are, it's, it can, it's changing the momentum of games sometimes because they'll be, they'll, they'll go for it, they'll lose a wicket and it might ruin their chase or they'll go for it, they'll get it and then the momentum will go in their favour. 
And what I've liked about it is it's just killed games that were already dead. So the poor Melbourne Renegades, which we'll come on to toward the end of this pod, because we're doing it in team order, and they are, spoiler, stone dead last. Um, chasing 206, they just went for that 10th over and got bowled out for 60 anyway. So they just got nowhere near it in the end. Um, so that kind of killed some rubbish games early. But yeah, I think two for three is not bad from the BBL. I, I don't think... can you see, I can't see these things being adopted elsewhere. I think... It's something internally in Australia and Cricket Australia are doing rather than the IPL needs to do or the Blast or, God forbid, the 100 try and change anything else. Um, but I like it. I think two for three is not bad. Um, you think they'll keep them, Zach? Or anyone going to adopt these new rules if they go well enough? I mean, if anyone's going to, it's going to be the 100. And they're going <laughs> to... I, I worry that with the 100, they're going to do exactly what they're trying not to do, which is they're trying to simplify the game and make it so more people watch it. But because they've just they're coming up with this whole new concept, they're going to make it too complicated so people can't understand it and therefore won't watch it because they haven't got a clue what's going on, even if it is on the BBC. <laughs> yeah, no amount of Ishigua can explain the hundreds. No amount of, of her trying to break it down in layman's terms is going to help us understand why it exists. I can't, still can't wait for that, by the way. That preview pod's, pod's going to be fantastic. Um, okay, right, let's, let's get into the nitty-gritty of it then. Um, we're halfway through the season. Uh, we'll go through uh, team by team, how they're getting on, how the English players are doing as well, um, and, and see where they're at. So, Zach, your boys, the Sydney Sixers, they're top of the league. Uh, played seven, won five, uh, with six bonus points, bash points, I don't know what they're called. Bo- let's go for bonus points for this pod, that'll make it easier. Um, leaving them with uh, 21 points and a net run rate of 1.2. So, all very healthy there, Zach. How's it been going for your boys? Yeah, well, I mean, pretty well. They've kind of, I think... They've kind of done what we expected them to do. We expected them to be good. I thought Josh Philippi was going to be good again, even though he he hadn't he didn't get much of a chance in the IPL and hasn't had much of a chance for Australia. But 261 runs so far, second in the run scoring charts. It's pretty good. He looks back to his best. I think Dan Christian has been a brilliant signing for them because he is brilliant. I don't know how old he is, but I feel like he's just going to play forever. <laughs> it, He's been doing something that I think is relatively new, and it, it seems like lots of bowlers have been copying him after he started doing it this tournament. Is but going around the wicket and bowling Yorkers and just darting them in at the pads, and it's bowlers batsmen just don't know what to do with it. And he's he's been brilliant. He's also hit 99 runs at a strike rate of 215. Whoa! So like he's been brilliant. Jason Holder played three games. They won those three games, including one where I, I think I mentioned last week he hit 16 off the last over. Yeah. But now he's gone. But that was a brilliant use of, a, of an overseas for a little bit. Carlos Brathwaite, I don't think he's actually been that good, but his celebrations are really good. And he's got a, <laughs> he's got a bromance going on with Lloyd Pope, the young spinner who hasn't really been getting a game. So that's quite <laughs> a little fun thing that's going on. And, you know, I think those little fun things can sometimes be annoying if a team's doing badly. Because it's like, why aren't you? Why are you focusing on something else? Why aren't you focusing on trying to win games? But the fact they're winning, and even if neither of them are contributing that much, I quite like it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, Dan Christie's a great point. He's just evergreen, isn't he? At Notts, he's been fantastic over here in the UK. And um, every time I watch a highlights game with the Sixers, and he seems to be doing something fairly important for the game, um, which is fascinating. And yeah, show him about Holder. So is he gone back with the West Indies? Then is that is that confirmed? Well, no, I think he must have just gone home because he's he's pulled out of the West Indies tour of Bangladesh. So he's just gone home, but Brathwaite's there for the whole time. Yeah. So that's okay. And they've got Jake Ball has just arrived, who is now replacing replacing Holder, but he hasn't I think he's played one game and then was X Factor in another. So we'll we'll see how he goes. I don't want to judge his tournament on just that one performance. I like X-Factored as a verb, by the way. You've been X-Factored. That's, that's pretty cool. So it's going to get all the Australian public watching, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, that's a shame. He must have just, his contract must have been up and he must have gone, like, because he was going to go to the Bangladesh tour, but now he's dropped out of that. He'll just go home. That's fine. Good for Jason. Three from three. See you later. Here's your check. Good job. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we predicted. I can't remember. I should listen back to the preview pod that the Sixers would be all right still. They're a very good team. They've got a good core, haven't they? So... I expect this to carry on, that they're probably a banker for the top four. Um, they're what? They're already six points clear of fifth place, which, again, it looks like a lot, but isn't in the amount of points you can win in a game. So you expect them to be top four somewhere? Yeah, I think for sure. I think that their aim has to be to get to that top two again, because it's so it's the top, it's the top five in the Big Bash. And it's it's just 
so take the take the top four from the from the IPL and then just add an extra game between fourth and fifth. That's the easiest that way it. of explaining it. That was it. So I think, but if you get into the top two, it's a case of one game and you're in the final. So I think they're massively, they're not only banking on being, in the, I think they're a banker for the top five, but they'll massively at this point be thinking we have to get in that top two. Yeah. I mean, definitely bank. Now you said it's top five. I forgot about that. I mean, the Heat are in sixth on 12 points. That's, that's quite a golf, but like you said, the playoffs work in such a way that it really is important to get one of those top two places to, to help your route to the final. Excellent. So they're doing very well. Um, their Sydney counterparts, the Thunder, doing equally as well. Um, played seven, won five, lost two. Only four uh, bonus points, which is why they're in second. Um, a much healthier net run rate as well, actually. So they've been winning games convincingly, but clearly not in the first 10 overs, which I think I find this these bonus points quite interesting to see how teams are getting on. Um, and Alex Hales is having a bit of a, a resurgence. After two Golden Ducks in a row, he is um, looking fantastic and was put in the, the BBL's team of the season so far, which was announced today. He's he's looking great, Zach. Yeah, he is. I think his last three innings, 71, 45 and 46. And his strike rate across the tournament is 176, Woo. which for hitting that many runs is silly. Yeah. Considering he... It's normally like 130, 140 when they're also hitting a lot of runs. To do yeah. that many that quick is amazing. It's, it is it just doesn't seem possible. Yeah, like you say, it's usually a low-order batsman who's not hitting that many if they're getting that high a strike rate, or it's someone like K.R. Rahul in the in the IPL was hitting an amazing amount of runs, but his strike rate was quite poor. Yeah, but they've 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 had I think they've had nine fifty partnerships across the tournament, which is the highest, which I think shows their kind of their depth in batting and the amount of different batsmen who've combined for those partnerships. Like Usman Khawaja has been really good. He always looks really good in the BBL, but always really just didn't look quite there and when he played for Australia. And then uh, Sams, who is an all-rounder, but a bowling all-rounder, I would think of more when he played internationally and when he played in the IPL, has been really good, hit some massive sixes. And then Ben Cutting, signing another player who the Heat lost. The Heat seem to have lost quite a lot of their mm. big players. And yeah, Ben Cutting's been quite good for the Thunder, bowls a bit and hits a long ball. Daniel Sams, we've been quite harsh on in this pod. So, and I was watching him. I saw his innings the other day. I think he got a good 30. So in the new section, I like to call, let's say something nice about Daniel Sams, in which you already have, let's say how great his batting is as a bowling all-rounder. And have you seen much of his bowling? What's it been like? I think it's, it's, it's disappointed a bit, but I don't think that is to say anything against Daniel Sams. It's just that he was far and away the best bowler last in the last um bbl he topped the wickets charts by quite a few so the fact he's not topping them this time round he's actually only taken eight wickets which puts him outside of the top 10 and his economy is not great means that it's kind of looking dis- disappointing but his his batting's been pretty good he's averaging 33 with the bat which is better than a lot of the you know it's better than a lot of the players that we would we would have talked about before the tournament as being some of the the like stars and the people to look out for. So that's very good. Obviously, batting average is a bit of a difficult one in T20 because he will have had quite a lot of not outs, but still very good. Strike rate of 218, which is ooh, pretty good as well. And that was say something nice about Daniel Sams. We'll be back um, next time to talk more about and be nice about Daniel Sams because a bit harsh in the IPL, really, weren't we? Um, and Sam Billings has joined the Thunder as well. He's played a couple of games now. Um, is he their wicketkeeper or is he just in as a middle-order batsman? He's their wicketkeeper and he's oh. he's also the player they have mic'd up because, you know, they have the player mic'd up who yes. talks to the commentators. Oh, cool. It's Sam Billings. What's his banter like? Yeah. Is, he any, is he any good? Does he have a good rapport with the Aussie commentators? I think he has quite a good rapport. Yeah, obviously, he's very well-spoken being from Kent. Oh, yeah. So, of course, yeah, yeah. of course. Hi, chaps. How's it going? okay excellent good for Sam you've got to stop talking like that now um, yeah I hope he does well again he sort of he occupies that weird space in English cricket where he's clearly very good but it can't, we can't quite find the room for him um, so maybe a very exceptional BBL and it would have to be something exceptional could see him um, force way to the England side okay in third place at the minute Hobart Hurricanes um, sort of my team although I did say at the start of the last pod I might be an Adelaide Strikers fan now I don't know I'm a plastic fan either way um, but Hobart have played eight, one five, lost three, uh, with three bonus points and a net run rate of zero point one five. So played a lot of close games and come out just ahead of a few of them. Um, Will Jackson, David Milan uh, represent England there. 
Um, Milan's sort of quietly done all right again, hasn't he? He's, he's, we said before we came on to record that he had a 75 and no one really heard about that, or at least it was, it was hardly, you know, echoing around the cricketing world. But he's doing okay, isn't he? And, and Will Jacks isn't in the side anymore, but had a little start, didn't he, when, when the tournament began? Yeah, I think Will Jacks was a little bit disappointing. He got, a, I think in his first game, he got a second ball duck or something, and he, he wasn't. He wasn't bowling, and I hadn't. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I hadn't seen much of him before this year's blast. And he was bowling quite a lot in this year's blast and opening the batting, so it was kind of a really good player. But I feel like maybe his, maybe he doesn't have the confidence in his bowling. Maybe the the Hurricanes didn't. But I, I thought his bowling looked like a real good, like asset to have as bowling a bit of spin at the top. Like he bowled a lot in the power play, so I, I was disappointed to not see him bowl much. And yeah, he, I think it's difficult for these players that were basically just there until David Milan arrives because David Milan is always going to be better than Will Jacks, who is, you know, only 21. So it's a bit difficult for him. And also in new conditions, I don't know, he may have played grade cricket before, but only playing three games in Australia, it's always going to be difficult. So I wouldn't, I don't want to judge uh, Will Jacks on this, you know, little period. Hopefully next year he gets a full go at it or he, you know, maybe gets a PSL contract. From the bowling perspective for Hobart, Riley Meredith looks fantastic. Um, 12 wickets, an average of 18, but an economy of 7.2 is very handy uh, where he bowls in the innings. Um, what do you think to him, Zach? He's sort of very well regarded in, in Australia, isn't he? I think you said it with, with uh, well, we've, we've said it about a few of the English players, about occupying that space where they're a li- maybe a little bit too good for this level, but not quite. They haven't quite made it international level. I think Riley Meredith is one of those. We've said it about Josh Philippi as well. I think Riley Meredith is one of those. He's really quick. He's bowled some beautiful 90 mile an hour Yorkers and looks, he looks the part, he looks the international cricketer, but then he hasn't performed that well when he's had his, his limited opportunities for Australia. But I think, you know, another brilliant tournament here, which he looks like he's having, should surely put him into the picture for the, for the T20 World Cup squad. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of that going on now between those sort of um, fringe Australian players who have got a great summer over there to to try and you know put themselves in the shop window for, for that tour or that that squad at least, which is going to come up quite quickly, I imagine. Um, anyway, let's move on to my sort of other team then, um, the Adelaide Strikers, um, Sussex by the Sea in Australia. Uh, they've played eight games, won four and lost four, but they have got five bonus points. That leaves them on 17 points overall. Um, English representatives of Phil Salt and Danny Briggs, both of Sussex. Well, I can't, I can't get over the loss of Danny Briggs. Clearly, as twice I've said, he's he's Sussex. He's now a Warwickshire player. Uh, Phil Salt is a Sussex player. Uh, Rashi Khan as well, coached by uh, former Sussex coach again, Jason Gillespie. Salt's opened the bat and he's looked okay. He's averaging. His average isn't great. He's got a fifty. I feel like the, I feel like there's more to come from Phil Salt, and I desperately want to see it. Because I know how good he can be and how good he has been for Sussex. Yeah, like you said, yeah, he's just he's not been great, averaging sixteen strike rate one two eight. It's not it's not what we expect from Phil Salt, but no. like you say, yeah, there's more to come. And he's, he, I think he, he was really good in the Big Bash last season, so hopefully he can refine that form. I think the strikers every time I watch them, they look really bad, but somehow they're mid table and looking mm. like they should get one of those five places, but they. And I think that is that's mainly down to their bowling. When every time I see them bat, they seem to lose wickets quickly. Alex Carey, the captain, I don't think he's been at his best. And another ex Sussex player who's there. But I think their bowling is really their strength because obviously, like we've said, they've got Rashid Khan who is fantastic and seems to love. He loves the Adelaide strikers. He's been there for years, and is is really good. We know he's really good. No surprises there. But the and then the big surprise for me, well. One of the surprises with this team is Peter Siddle seems to be brilliant at this level. It seems like he's taken 13 wickets, which is second in the wicket-taking chart to someone else in this team, who I will come on to. And he bowls beautiful Yorkers, has a, like some brilliant... He, he took a fifer and has looked really dangerous and looks really good at the death and so confident in himself and looks looks every time like if if they need 10 and over but you've got Peter Siddle for two overs, there's no way you're getting it. It's, it's what it seems like. And I think that's it's something that's kind of not really talked about with fast bowlers. It's kind of talked about with batsmen. 
But I think the, the confidence that Peter Siddle seems to have in his skills at this level is is really important to him. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And he, he mopped up the Renegades lower order today pretty easily. And, um, you know, despite his blonde hair, which is was quite a shock to see, um, suddenly gone bleach blonde, I think he's just in that stage in his career, the, the autumn to winter of his career, in which he knows exactly what he can and can't do. He knows he, the things he can do, he does amazingly well. And he's probably at the top of his game at the minute. And just has that confidence to go and do it and, and deliver for the team seemingly every time. Um, it is great to see, actually. And, you know, I remember when I first started watching cricket in 2009, that Ashes home series. And he was there. He was front of the line. He's still going here in 2021, looking amazing. So you think it's the the, the strength of the strikers' bowling lineup that's, that's keeping them in this? Because one four, lost four, I think they're fairly inconsistent. Yeah, I think they're pretty inconsistent. But yeah, they're their bowling is keeping them in it because where's Agar, who I have, who I said I would come on to, is is quite expensive, but he's a top wicket taker in the tournament, and he just seems to keep getting wickets. He looks a bit erratic. He's a big, fast bowler who bowls quite a lot of short balls, but he's, he just always takes wickets. 14, he doesn't look particularly, he doesn't look like he's got that extra bit of pace. He doesn't look, he doesn't look particularly anything. No offence to him. But he seems to just, he's got that knack, which is a very important knack in T20 cricket of taking wickets. I don't know if you saw the two, there were two guys who were dressed up as, um, well, kind of dressed up as Peter Siddle. They'd copied the haircut and copied the big sunglasses. <laughs> it was, there was one game in the Big Bash where they were, they were enjoying Peter Siddle and they were talking about him like he was a fashion idol. <laughs> and I don't know if you've seen this. It's, it's been go, doing the rounds on Twitter. Look it up. Maybe we'll tag it below if I can find it, tag it below the episode because it was it's quite funny. And, and they look sounds... they look hilarious. They look awful. They don't look as good as Peter Siddle does, but it's they look very Australian. I need to see that. I've not I've not I saw Siddle with the glasses in the hair. I've not seen his sort of fans, you know, crawling around him like that because I thought for a man of his age, the glasses in the hair is, is quite bold. But again, I think that speaks to his confidence at the minute. He can dress however he wants and the way he's bowling is is just fine. Um is is Wes Agar off of Ashton Agar? Are they are they family? I don't think they are. Aren't they? I have tried to look this up. It just seems like it. it. Just seems like a good agar in Australian cricket must be related. They are. They are brothers. They are brothers. They do sort of look similar similar as well. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, good for him. Yeah, fourteen wickets leading the charts at the minute. And quick word on Danny Briggs. We mentioned him already slightly. um, Subbed off twice, but he seems. I don't know. He doesn't seem like he deserved to have been, and he's doing all right. You know, he chipped in with a couple against the Renegades this morning. and he is England's, he's taken the most wickets in English domestic cricket, uh, T20 cricket. So he's a great asset to have. I don't know. What do you think? I love stats like that because Max Waller, who is Somerset's leg spinner, is <laughs> the highest. He's taken the most, he's the leg spinner with the most wickets in English cricket, in English T20 cricket, which kind of, and there's lots of calls for him to be called up to the England squad. And I'm sure there's the same for Danny Briggs. But again, it's not going to happen. That, is it? No, exactly. So I think those stats are. Flattering, I think. They're nice to pull out though every now and again, just in case he does go on a bad run. I'll say, well, actually, he's got the most wickets in T20 cricket, and just bore everybody with that, as I already have probably a couple of times in this pod. Um, but yeah, the inconsistent strikers um, currently hold on to fourth place, um, which is fine. You know, that will get them in in this top five. Uh, a couple points above fifth place, Melbourne Stars, who um, have played seven, so one fewer than the teams above them. Um, won three, lost three, and there was uh, no result against Perth Scorchers that was that was unfortunately washed out. Four bonus points for the Melbourne Stars leaves them uh, with 15 points. Um, no English involvement in this team, the only um, franchise not to have one. Um, what, what do you think to the Stars? The, the, the thing I've seen the most is the Spice Man and um, his unbelievable bit of fielding uh, a couple of days ago now took two outrageous catches. Yeah, I mean, they were who I tipped to be top of the group, which seems to be what they do most years, and then they don't win. They bottle it. They mm. do the Somerset. But um, <laughs> that, that, was what I, that was what I said in the preview pod, and they have been very disappointing because that top five, I would say, I would say a, 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 an IPL team would be happy with that top five of Fletcher, Stoinis, Maxwell, Poran, and Cartwright or Dunk. Yeah. So I think... Uh, any team would be happy with that top five, but Poran hasn't hasn't done much, and Maxwell Maxwell's been really good, but he hasn't had much support. Andre Fletcher, like you said, the Spice Man, his catches look great, but his 72 runs and a high score of 18 tell a very different story. But and then Stoinis, 
he hit a, 90, a match winning 94 the other day and maybe has found some form, but before that wasn't great. And he's last season, he was the highest run scorer and was fantastic. Hit 140 in one game against my, my, my sixers. But <laughs> my sixers. This season hasn't been great. He's been doing quite a lot of the commentary, which is quite funny on pitch side, just in his casual clothes, which I've quite enjoyed. He seems to have a bit of banter. Maybe he's got a future there. But his his batting hasn't been great can't say i've seen much of his bowling but yeah i i think if he finds some form before obviously india australia are going to play another one day series against new zealand in january so they need to get some wins under their belts before they lose maxwell stoyness and uh Coulton Isle maybe zampa who's been okay but before they lose that core of the team they need to get some points on the board that's a great point, actually. I'd forgotten about that, and we did speak about it extensively in the in the preview pod. Is that there is a uh, an Australian summer still going on, international summer going on for the men, and uh, a lot of these players I mentioned are going to be gone fairly soon. Perhaps it's the stars, you know, tactically doing this and not ascending to the top by miles and then bottling it in the playoffs, and they'll just squeeze in in fifth and then go on a run. Maybe they'll peak later in the season. I don't know. It can't be intentional. They're just not playing that great. Um, well worth seeing um, those catches, by the way. They were they were outrageous. One uh, one frustrated me, and I said this to you, Zach, when you sent me them, is that he he ran in from the boundary so quickly, misjudging it, and then made a, a great adjustment to make the catch. But he could have just taken it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting those catches that that seem like everyone talked about how amazing that. I think the one that everyone always thinks about when you think about catches that could have been easy. Is the Stokes one in against South Africa? Yes. The, yes. the NASA has saying you can't do that, Ben you Stokes. That. Yeah, when Ben Stokes has come out repeatedly and including in his book, <laughs> which I would recommend. It was a very good read yeah. about last summer. He said, if I'd have been in the position I was meant to be in, it would have been an, a regulation catch. <laughs> you know, that was the beginning of the summer of Stokes. So we're like, it's part of the story. So, but yeah, so maybe again, this is the beginning of the BBL of the Spice Man because he took these two amazing catches, one of which maybe he could have made easy. The second one, though, wow. Yeah, I mean, that was undeniably an unbelievable catch. And to do two of those in one game is, is pretty outrageous. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed his celebration because his celebrations were like a man who's hit 250 runs this tournament, not 72. But still. <laughs> really enjoyable all the same and the second catch it was hit so hard and so flat yeah i don't think i've seen a ball hit that hard and flat and been caught on the boundary before i don't know maybe i have but that oh brilliant and don't sleep on the stars then even though they're losing all their stars um player wise don't sleep on them they're they're they're, they're a fun team to watch for sure and like you said that top five is pretty unrivaled throughout the league Okay, outside of these playoff places, then they're looking in these teams. Going to put a run together. We've got the Brisbane Heat uh, in sixth place. They've played seven, won three, lost four, uh, with three bonus points that leaves them on twelve. Um, so three points behind the Melbourne Stars. So it's not a huge goal for these guys to catch up. Um, a, a fascinating game. I, I think it was yesterday, um, the fourth or maybe the third of Jan, um, where Joe Burns and Joe Denley both hit fifties in in a winning um, game for the Heat. I, I just. When I saw that headline, I was like, hold on, hold on. What year is this? What tournament are they talking about? Um, I don't know. Fantastic. Good for them. And we've also got Lewis Gregory for the Heat as well, from an English perspective, who I can't stand. Um, has had a couple of game-winning knocks and then bowled one of the worst deliveries I've ever seen. So, eventful for the English boys over there. But, Zach, a word on that um, Joe Burns and Joe Denley partnership, both getting 50 off like 35-ish and just, just doing the job for the old Brisbane Heat. Yeah, because they, they both basically, yeah, like you said, got 50 off of 35-ish. The, but the innings weren't, weren't, they weren't that symmetrical. Burns seemed to get off to a bit of a flyer and slow down. And Denley was going at a runner ball, a really boring runner ball, the whole <laughs> way up to 30 balls. And then just, I think he hit two sixes and then decided to charge further than I've seen most batsmen charge down the pitch and get nowhere <laughs> near the ball. Got stumped. But he got a 50 and... It was important, though. They weren't chasing... Well, they were ch- they were, They were chasing 174. So you'd think a two innings like that wouldn't be that great for them. But actually, I think Chris Lynn, like I mentioned earlier, his 30 off of 16 means that they can have two batsmen who rebuild in the middle overs and rebuild and get... And both have 135 strike rates. It, that's okay when you've got off to a flyer. But if they were... You know, say they were chasing another 20 runs, that those two innings not really going that fast could have 
it could have cost them the game. And it, it does beg the question, should all BBL teams pick test rejects? Oh, that's a great question. Um, like current ones that have just literally just fallen out of the team. So let's get Travis Head in somewhere then. He's gone. Um, who else would drop? M- Matthew Wade might be dropped after the third if he doesn't have a good one here. I mean, they just played themselves back into some form. They, 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 it must annoy the Australian selectors. They were like, hold on, hold on. This guy just couldn't get it off the square a minute ago. But obviously, it's a very different game. Um, a word on Lewis Gregory, please, Zach. Why should I like him? Oh, I mean, he always looks like he's having fun, but always <laughs> looks like he always looks like he doesn't think he should be there. Almost like he bowled that terrible delivery, but went and landed miles off the square. And he's almost kind of like, what do you expect, guys? I'm Lewis Gregory. Like, I'm just, I'm just this guy from, he's from Plymouth, I think, and um, I'm just a guy from Plymouth who plays a bit of cricket. And I really, I like that about him because he, he definitely doesn't take himself too seriously. But I'm, and, I'm glad he doesn't as well, because I don't think he's the kind of cricketer who could. So, yeah, good for him. A, a good attitude. And he's had quite a few games to the match, hasn't he? He's he's a pretty pretty much a mainstay in the team. Yeah, he's been batting, he's been batting quite high as well. He's been batting mm. up for like five, which yeah. is is very high for for Lewis Gregory. But maybe now Denley and Burns are in there to solidify in the middle overs. They'll be able to put him down a little bit. But he got, he got a 31, not out in a matter kind of won in the game against yeah. against the Sydney Sixers, actually, mm-hmm. which was good. His economy's not been great, 9.5, which isn't great, considering he's been... Well, I mean, he has been bowling quite a lot of the death, which I wouldn't necessarily put him as a death bowler. He bowls at the death for Somerset, but that's because we're not even going to get into Somerset's death bowling. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's been doing okay. And I think, uh, uh, again, it would take a really good big bash for him to get himself back into the England T20 squad. He was actually in the T20 squad for the South Africa tour. I don't really see him getting a... I, I can't see him playing in the World Cup, even if he gets one of the squad places, does what Tom Curran did in the 2019 World Cup and just, you know, gets to celebrate with the trophy, mm. having, you know, just watched some good cricket. But fair enough. Bit John, bit John Terry-ish as well, perhaps. Just strip off straight into the full England kit when, when we do win the 2021 World Cup and uh, be front and centre. Okay, let's move on um, to the Perth Scorch, which is your outside shout, Zach. Um, they're currently seven. Now, they've only played six games, so they've got two in hand on you know, Hobart and Adelaide in third and fourth. Uh, one, two, lost three. Uh, one, no result as well. Uh, just one bonus point, though, from their six games. Um, obviously, they can, well, from their five games that were finished. So, you know, not winning at the 10th over in a few games, but getting over the line in a couple. They're on a nice little run as we speak. Um, they were bottom until the Melbourne Renegades imploded. Um, with Jason Roy and Liam Livingston in there from an England perspective, where's it gone wrong for this team so far? Or are they doing better than the table suggests? I think I think it's interesting that you, you mentioned Jason Roy and Liam Livingston because they've only played three games each. And in those three games, they've, so they've won the last two games. Jason Roy's hit 97 runs from three games, which is a pretty good return. And if he can get some good form, which I'm really hoping for, is part of the reason I'm supporting the Scorchers as kind of my second team is just for Jason Roy, basically. But also Liam Livingston, he's he's not be, he's not been as you know as explosive. 50 runs from three games. Interesting to see those two opening up though, because I think and I think this might change because Josh English, they're seemingly their best batsman at the moment, highest run scorer, hit 72. In his high score of 72 was a really good innings. There's been talk about him maybe being better suited to opening the batting rather than being in the middle order. And it's kind of, he is an opening batsman in this format, so should bat because he's he's the best batsman. I mean, Liam Livingston has batted down the order before. I could see him batting down the order. He's not, obviously, if he were to get into the England side, he isn't going to open for England. No offence to Liam Livingston, but there's a hell of a lot of players above him in that respect. So maybe that will happen and that will change things. I think also Jason Berendorf, who is fantastic at this level, has been has had an injury. He's I think he's only played five of the games. So hopefully he'll come back and give them some well some balance to their to their bowling attack. Because <laughs> Jai Richardson has been really good. Ten wickets. He's in the, he was in the team of the tournament so far, and is is another good young fast bowler from Australia who hasn't had that many opportunities for the Australian team, but is another one of those players who is massively on the fringes and another good, a good end to the BBL here could easily see him in one of the squads. Well, 
which would mean he wouldn't have a good end to the BBL because he wouldn't be playing in the BBL. But yes. <laughs> bit counterintuitive that to be doing good, you don't want to be at the end of the BBL because you'll be elsewhere. Um, Livingston, I've seen he bowled a couple overs here and there. You know, is he England's second spinning option? Is this a realistic opportunity for us now? I'd love to see him bowl more. <laughs> I think he bowled one over, took a wicket and went for 13 runs. Yeah. So That's about what he does. He'll bowl one and get like none for 10, none for 15 or maybe nab one. But he's, he didn't bowl in his four, let's put it that way. Not yet anyway. But that one wicket could change the game. And you can afford <laughs> one wicket for 13. It, it's, it's the epitome of a mixed bag. One for 13 yeah. is a mixed bag. So hopefully yeah. he'll become a bit more consistent over the next few weeks. Again, I think, like we said about Will Jacks earlier, it's hard to judge new conditions. Livingston was really good last season for the first Scorchers as well. So this season, hopefully, he can push on. And But again, like we've said with a couple of players before, it will take a very good big bash for him to get into that. England side, England squad, I think he could be there. But Yeah, I, I agree with that. Maybe squad, again, with an exceptional tournament. And don't, again, we're not sleeping on the Stars and don't sleep on the Scorchers either. They've only played six and a bit of momentum winning um, their last two games after being winless uh, in their first four. So very good for them. Um, and your outside shout, Zach. So it's not dead in the water yet by any means, any means at all. Right, last but not least, but definitely least, uh, Melbourne Renegades uh, played eight matches, won one lost seven now um, with two bonus points, uh, five points rooted to the bottom of the table. I just, I, they've been rolled a couple of times. Um, I mean, by which I mean, bowled out for sort of 60 and 80 and like 110 at one point. They've been bowled out the most in this league so far. Um, Finch, who we picked as an essential player uh, in our preview pod has been rubbish. A uh, golden duck uh, this morning. Imad Wazim is all right. Not great. It's just a lot of all right, not great in there, isn't there, Zach? Where, where's it going wrong for the Renegades? And and can you see them getting themselves out of this slump? Oh, I mean, I actually, I think it's really funny because the Renegades on my, I don't know why. I think it must be Aaron Finch. I really don't like Aaron Finch for no particular reason. He always seems like a nice bloke when they get him on the player mic. And he always seems to be really talking up his bowlers, which I do like. But I don't know. It really isn't anything to do with Aaron Finch. It's something to do with me. But I don't like him. <laughs> it's a youth and thing, okay? It's a me thing. It's, it, it's, it's not you, it's me. And because of that, I really don't like the Renegades and the fact that they're so bad. Like, uh, their number 11's had to bat four times. And in the T20 tournament, the number 11 wouldn't expect to bat more than once, really. They might bat no. once when you have a bad day, but four times. Yeah. Poor, I don't know who the number 11 is, but poor Kane Richardson's had to bat quite a lot. Mm. Poor, you know, Imad Wazim. I suppose Imad Wazim is a bit of an all-rounder. But yeah, Sean Marsh has been quite good in part, but can't do it all on his own. Aaron Finch is 132 runs, high score of 39 for someone who's usually so good at this level and so consistent, isn't good enough for someone who is who's who's the leader of this team. And then Kane Richardson, who is you know the leader of the bowling attack, he's taken 11 wickets, but for a leader of the attack, economy of eight isn't isn't great. It's not really good enough for for your best bowler, and they're their choice of overseas is interesting because they've got the, to, when they played today, they had Nor Ahmad, who is the 15 or well 16 year old now. He celebrated yeah. his 16th birthday the other day. Happy birthday, Nor! Happy birthday, uh, Nor! From all of us at Cow Corner. <laughs> he he's been playing a spinner, a young spinner, a very young spinner, of course. Nabi's been playing another spinning all rounder, and Imad Wazim. Yeah. That was their three overseas players, three spinners, two of which can bat a bit. But it's a bit, I don't know, I, I don't know, was it a bit, was it poor choice? Because there are other overseas players, Imran Tahir, who is another spinner who can't bat. So Definitely I don't know bat. if it was, I don't know if it was poor recruitment on their part, or they thought they had enough in the batting department, and they really just didn't back their spinners if they had any before this. But it just, something isn't working, and I can't, I can't see it changing. I think they're going to be the, they're, they're the whipping boys for the rest of the tournament, unless... But I, I do really want to see this this 16-year-old child get some more games. He's only played three games. I think he's only taken one wicket. But he looks, he's another mystery spinner from Afghanistan. And I really want them to not win the T20 World Cup, but get far in the T20 World Cup by basically just playing five spinners. I think it's <laughs> yeah. going to be what happens because it's in India and, they, and you can do it. And they're going to have Case Ahmed, Rashi Khan, Nabi, Noor Ahmad, and Majib, and that's their five bowlers. 
Afghanistan cricket, if you want someone to come in and sort your squad out for you, I'm here. I've just I've just picked your bowlers for you, but yeah. I'm going to give the bats free. <laughs> but... <laughs> give me your freelance, um, give me your quotes, mate. I mean, you could be their chief strategist. I don't see why not. You've already called it. Um, and I think yeah, that about sums of the renegades that we're now on to Afghan- the Afghanistani strategy for the 2021 World Cup. So yeah, I think that's about it for Melbourne. And that's interesting. I think you made a great point there. I didn't realise that was their only overseas options and no batsman to bring in when they've been bowled out three times is so worrying. And I think the sort of significance of their losses is showing their net run rate. Mine is 2.9. I don't think I've ever seen a net run rate in a round robin tournament, you know, in, in world cricket or in international cricket, quite that low. That's quite how bad they are. And I think that shows they're really going to struggle to get out of this. And they need something from their senior players. I think Finch et al need to really um, show up and drag, drag this season from the dirt, really. They could still try and, you know, maybe call out of it. Yeah, so I have just remembered one spinner who they do have. Oh, I'm going to have to look up his name. It's like Hatsunoglu, which obviously isn't the most traditional Australian name. Uh, but he is he was playing for them at the start and looked like he was going to be one of those players who comes out of nowhere. Because I think they picked him from something like, so their, their first grade cricket, second grade, from third grade cricket in Melbourne. Gee, they straight out of third up. grade. Straight out of third grade, yeah. Jeez. And he bowls really quickly and flat and doesn't turn it much but it's one of those weird actions where you just can't pick it and you can't yeah. charge to it you can't so he trapped a few batsmen on the crease i think it was in the first game he looked so dangerous but he hasn't been hitting the heights since which is disappointing because it really looked like it was going to be one of those one of those people who was just going to come out of nowhere in a tournament like the big bash or we had we've had it before in in the blast or they have it in you know it's it happened to the KKR bowler who was the spinner who hadn't really oh, played much. Yeah. Took a I know exactly pass. who you're on about. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't tell you his name though. So yeah, so that happened. It's a good spot. So why have Melbourne Renegades got six spinners? What's going on? What are the pitches <laughs> like over there? That's insane. No wonder they've won one game. What's going on? I think they must be playing on a they must be they must have thought of the MCG as a different ground than it is. Were they getting the MCG yeah. confused with the Wanker Day in Mumbai? <laughs> Who knows? Easy mistake to make. And it seems like it may have cost the Melbourne Renegades who are stranded there. We'll see how they get on. Before we end this pod, Zach, let's, let's have a mid-season. Who's going to be in the top five, basically? Varun Chakravarti. Is Got it. Chakravarti. Sorry. Had to put that in. Had to put that in. I have just remembered. Well, it is Farron Chakravarti going to come fifth? Is it, my question is who's finishing in the top five, Zach? And you've just shouted Farron so, Chakravarti. Come on. Who's top five? Finishing in the top five. No particular order. Both, That's the, both the Sydney teams. Hobart. The Stars and the Scorchers. Nice. For. So the stri- Well, it, I was going to say, I don't think the Strikers are going to be in there. So I'm going to say the same as you, but I, th- I think the Heat will, will outdo the Scorchers. Uh, uh, quite a warm battle there, if if I may say so. Heat versus Scorchers, but yeah, I feel like the Stars are always destined to be in the playoffs, and the Strikers are so inconsistent that I don't think they're going to quite make that. So let's write that down. Let's note that down for our um, end of season um, uh, podcast and see how well we got there. I think we were all right in the IPL. Actually, no, we weren't. We were terrible. So it can only go up from here, can't it? It's a new year, new predictions from Cal Corner. Um, so that will about wrap it up for this episode. Um, that is your half-season review of the Big Bash League. Um, seven or eight or nine games left to play for some of these teams. Um, and we'll be back sort of toward the end of January with, with, a, with an end-of-season review for that. We've also got a New Zealand-Pakistan special coming up uh, to review that test series. And, of course, uh, a big preview pod for England's tour of Sri Lanka coming up very soon, all for you in January. Um, Zach, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great pod. Thank you, Dan. And we will see you all later in January. Thank you so much for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.